us of the idols of our world, that ancient world and of our world, and thank you that you are the true and living God, and we can give ourselves to you as you come to us. We pray for the children. They would learn that truth, Lord, that, that you are worth giving their lives for. Lord, as we in the sanctuary hear your word, again, bring that truth home to us, that, that you are the true and living God, and, and, and we're, we're to give us our lives completely to you, for you are worthy. So bless these times, these moments, in Jesus' name. Amen. Telling Brother Jerry that with his offertory, I said, The spirit of Bob Dylan still lives. The spirit of Bob Dylan still lives. Move on. Every time I hear Jerry, I think about that poet and that folk guitar. Well, welcome to our, to our service today. If you're here for the first time, we greet you in the name of Christ. We're in a sermon a series, message series, as we move our way towards Easter uh, in about a month now. Uh, in the Gospel of John, the Gospel of John, the fourth gospel, the fourth book of the New Testament, and the series is, is, is that you may believe signs, wonders, and more in John's gospel. Believe signs, wonders, and more. Believe. Believe in what? Believe in, believe in Jesus. But which Jesus? Which Jesus? What about this Jesus? Demands our attention, demands our commitment, demands our heart, demands our, our, our lives. The gospel writers, and therefore everyone who proclaims the message of the good news must present the Jesus who really was, not the Jesus who we think was. And the scriptures, the pages of God's word, give us the Jesus who really was. And I, I want to I take this uh, message in the Gospel of John, a familiar passage probably for many of you. Uh, I want to talk about that, 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 that concept of what does it tell us about Jesus? What does this passage tell us? About Jesus, some interesting things. Uh, it, it's cha- John chapter 6, 1 to 15. Find it in your Bibles. And as you look there, uh, th- this is a powerful, instructive miracle story. You know, there, there are two stories that in all four of the Gospels, the miracle stories of Jesus. The one miracle story that's in all the Gospels is the resurrection of Jesus, Easter, th- that he got up out of the graves. That was, a, that was a very private thing that happened one morning, and of course the whole world found out about it. Very, very private miracle. All four Gospels record that. The only other, gospel, other miracle that was recorded in all the other four Gospels is this one. This one wasn't very private at all, as we're going to see. This was very, very public. It was a public miracle. And it was, a, it was an incredible miracle. And we're going to talk about that in a second. If you have it there, stand and, and listen to the Word of God. It's on the overhead there. And you have your, your Bible there. John 6, 1 to 15. <clears throat> After this... Jesus went away to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias. A large crowd was following him because they saw the signs he was doing on the sick. Jesus went up on the mountain, and there he sat down with his disciples. Now the Passover, the feast of the Jews, was at hand. Lifting up his eyes then and seeing that a large crowd was coming toward him, Jesus said to Philip, Where are we to buy bread so these people may eat? He said this to test him, for he himself knew what he would do. Philip answered, 200, answered him, 200 denarii worth of bread would not be enough for each of them to get a little. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, There's a boy here who has five barley loaves and two fish, but what are they for so many? Jesus said, Have the people sit down. Now there was much grass in that place, so the men sat down, about 5,000 in number. Jesus then took the loaves. 
And when he had given thanks, he distributed them to those who were seated. So also the fish, as much as they wanted. And when they had eaten their fill, that he told his disciples, gather up the leftover fragments that nothing may be lost. So they gathered them up and filled 12 baskets with fragments from the five barley loaves left by those who had eaten. When the people saw the sign that he had done, they said, this is indeed the prophet who has come into the world. Perceiving then that they were about to come and take him by force to make him king, Jesus withdrew again to the mountain by himself. God's word may bless you today. Please be seated. This miracle is about a supernatural provision by Jesus Christ. He gives the crowd bread. Bread just keeps coming. My title is Bread for the World. Bread for the World. Jesus, the great divine provider. Because of that, we should follow him. He's the great divine provider, and we can trust and we can follow him. And John depicts Jesus as, as a provider. I think there's several glimpses, portraits of Jesus that, that we have here. A couple are implicit, and one is very explicit. I think John wants us to see Jesus as a father who provides, a, a shepherd who provides, and a king who provides. First, Jesus is he's a great father. Now, he's not, the, he's not God the Father, but he's like, he comes in his passions like a father. We'll see that in a second. The context, the miracle is, is, is recorded in each of the Gospels, Matthew chapter 14, Luke chapter 9, Mark chapter 6. And, and the context is pretty clear what's going on. This is the end of the second year of Christ's ministry. It's, um, it, it, it occurs late during that second year. Uh, John the Baptist has been beheaded by King Herod for his bold proclamation against King Herod. The, the, the twelve have gone out on a mission to the villages, preaching and healing and exercising demons as, as Jesus gave his power to them. And now they're back. And there are two things. They're weary, they're tired, and they're excited because God has used them. And, and, and so it looks as if Jesus wants to spend some time with them, to, to, a time of refreshment, a time of, uh, of just hearing the, the praises of God, things that happened on the mission. However, as they went as, the, as their missions end and they came back to Jesus, the crowds followed them because the crowds want to see the Messiah who had given them this authority, this power. And so when they returned to Jesus, the crowds found Jesus and the word began to filter that Jesus is over there. And so rather than a time of refreshment and, and, and of debriefing, there were people who needed ministry from Jesus. So he and his team stayed there and, and, and the people couldn't get away. He ministered to the needs of the people. That's the context here. Luke 9, 10 gives us the, the, sums it up for us. Luke, Luke, 9, Luke 9, 10 and 11. On their return, the apostles told him all that had done, and he took them and withdrew apart to a town called Bethsaida, the northeast part of the Sea of Galilee. When, when the crowds learned it, learned it, they followed him, and he welcomed them and spoke to them of the kingdom of God and cured those who had a need of healing. So, so Jesus is, he takes, he, he, he he accepts the role of, again, being the instructor, being the one to, to be the teacher, the, the rabbi. Be, instruction, by the way, was a role that fathers had in the Jewish economy. In the Old Testament, Jewish homes, the book of Proverbs was written for fathers to learn how to instruct their children. That The teaching role was an important role for, for fathers. Of course, mothers were right alongside assisting that. In this passage, Jesus, is, he's a teacher. He's also a problem solver. You know the, the situation. They, he healed and they, he cast out demons and, and, and they, he preached and it got, began to be the, 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 began to be end of the day and, and the people were beginning to be hungry and the decision was should we, 
send them home before it gets dark or so they can go by the store and get something. And, and so the disciples come to Jesus with a problem. Kids do that. They go to their, their, their parents with a problem. Mommy, Daddy, I have a problem. Can you solve my problem? Jesus is the posture of, of, of the, the parent, the problem solver, because there's a crisis. And they, they had learned that when there's a crisis, you need to go to Jesus. Remember there was a storm on, on the, at that Sea of Galilee one time, and, and they were trying to, they were scared. They thought they were going to die, and Jesus was asleep on the boat. Remember that? And they said, Jesus, wake up. Do something. You know, get a bucket. Start bailing. Do something. Jesus said, peace be still to the storm. It was over. It was over. And they were, then they said, who is this that the wind and the sea can obey him? They had learned finally, if there's a problem, if there's a crisis, go to Jesus. He'll figure something out. They had learned that finally. So here they are. They go to Jesus as they have finally learned to do. Another important thing in the Gospel of John, compared to the other three Gospels, which probably came before the Gospel of John. John probably wrote his after the other three. John fills in personal details for us. If you compare the stories like this story, you begin to see that John doesn't just say the disciples um, found food. They said the disciples found a little boy had some food. It was a little lad. He doesn't just say the disciples came to him. It says here that that, uh, Philip came and Andrew came and and the discussion between Jesus and the individual disciples. John does that. That's one of the distinctives of John's gospel. He, He wants to present a Jesus who's very personal, a Jesus who's revealing to us a God who's very personal, a God who, who knows our name and calls us individually by our name. Remember in the first chapter, John? The other Gospels, they say that Jesus went into the Sea of Galilee, around the, the region of Galilee, preaching the gospel of repentance. And then it said, then it could talk about what he did in those cities. John takes the whole half of the first chapter, second half of the chapter, to talk about the, origi- the first encounter of the primary disciples with Jesus. The, the, the relationships, their name, as they interact with Jesus. John focuses on the individual people, reminding us that, that God cares, not just for the people in general, but every individual person. God cares. He's a personal God. He comes to us as a father who has a tender care. The, the Passover, it's Passover time, it tells us in verse 4, the Feast of the Jews. And this was a celebration of the exodus of the Old Testament people of God, Jewish families would gather for a very special meal. The Exodus was a time when they went out from Egypt, celebrating the, uh, um, um, what God had done in, in releasing them and in, in the, the um, plagues upon the people of, of Egypt. And so each year there was this reenactment during the Passover season. There was a cel- this celebration on Passover evening as they would um, reenact and remind themselves of the affliction of Egyptian slavery and the powerful redemption of God that had brought them out. It was an annual disciple-making moment for every family, every household. And in Exodus chapter, in Deuteronomy chapter 6, it says, um, when your son asks you in a time to come, what's the meaning of the testimonies and the statutes and the rules the Lord our God has commanded you? You shall say to your son, we were Pharaoh's slaves in Egypt. The Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand. The Lord showed signs and wonders, great and grievous, against Egypt and against Pharaoh and all his household before our eyes. And he brought us out from there that he might bring us in and give us a land that he swore to give to our fathers. So there's this reminder of what God had done and who they were as a people because of what God had done. And every year, Passover, the households would celebrate that and the heads of house would lead that time. There was a Jewish prayer that maybe they prayed, Blessed art thou, Jehovah, our God, King of the world, who causes, 
to come forth bread from the earth. Maybe they prayed that prayer. Maybe Jesus prayed that prayer during this occasion. How do we respond? Jesus comes as a, as a father in one sense in this passage. And how do we respond to, to him? Well, as children, and, and, and ch children are called to just be. You know, what, what do you have to do to become a child? You do nothing. You just are. Just, John 1, 12, 13. To all who received him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor the will of flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. Born of God. Born of God. Believe, receive. What, what did I do to become my mother's child? What did I do? I did nothing. What do I do to remain my mother's child? I do nothing. I am my mother's child. And in one sense, that's true about our salvation, about our faith. There's nothing we did to, 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 to come to Christ. He, gave us, he even gives us the faith to believe and receive. And what this, what this says is we need to just rest and learn to be, and I think we need to do to become something in, in terms of gaining favor with God. The work has been done for you. You receive that work. We have two grandchildren, um, a, 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 Ariel is three months old, and Aaliyah is 19 months old. And both of them are at different stages of eating. Um, Aaliyah is good with the fingers. She can put food in her mouth. She can feed herself. Sometimes she misses, but she, gets, she pretty much gets it, okay? It, it's kind of funny watching her. You help her a little bit. That's Aaliyah. But, but Ariel, three months old, if you don't put the, put the bottle right there, you're going to have some noise. It's got to go right there in her mouth, and that's all she eats at the bottle. Because they're at different stages of feeding, okay? But they both need to eat. And they both can only eat if something is prepared for them by somebody stronger and someone who loves them. And that's the way salvation is, folks. We receive. We receive the benefit of someone stronger than us, someone who loves us. And that's our Father God, who came to us before we even asked and gave us salvation. And we receive that salvation. God comes to us in grace. He's our Father. We receive His salvation, receive what He has for us. Uh, the, the Tommy Walker has written that great song we sing often. I have a Father. He calls me His own. He'll never leave me no matter where I've gone. He knows my name. He knows my every thought. He sees each tear that falls and hears me. When I call, God knows us personally, and Jesus reveals that to us, that God is, is like a father who cares for his children. The second thing in the passage is, is, is Jesus is a shepherd. He's a great shepherd in this passage. And, and we, we heard in the scripture reading, John uh, chapter 6, later in that chapter, um, the mentioning of, 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 of Jesus that uh, it was Moses. It was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but my father gives you the true bread from heaven. There's a whole manna theme here, the manna, and the manna was this, this incredible miracle that God did uh, with the children of Israel in the, in the Old Testament is, as it, they had quail at night, then in the morning they woke up, there was manna, this, this, this bread that was on the, the ground, and, and God provided it and said, for 40 years you're going to be sustained by it. He sustained them in the wilderness, provided from above that which sustained them for 40 years. And Jesus saying that uh, he is like that manna. He is the one that comes down from heaven to sustain us. He's the true bread of life. I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger. Whoever believes in me shall never thirst. Now, just as Moses 
had a flock in the wilderness. Jesus here in our passage has a flock in the wilderness. There's an allusion here to Moses, you see, and, and, and we have Jesus giving the word on a hillside, taking us back to Moses on a mountain, a hillside, Sinai, where he gets the word of God, the law, in, in, in his wilderness, his desolate place. This illusion, another illusion is, is when there's leftovers. If you notice in the passage, when um, the Jesus says to get, grab the leftovers, and it says there were 12 baskets left over. Now, John doesn't make a big deal about this, but the Gospel of Mark really does. In Mark chapter 7, um, after the feeding of the 4,000, which was another miracle, very similar to this one, um, uh, Mark makes a big deal about the fact that when, when he, in this passage, when there's 5,000 that were fed, there were 12 baskets left over. And when they were feeding of 4,000, there were seven baskets left over. Because, uh, because symbolically, <laughs> there's some numerology going on. 12 is the number of, of Israel, uh, of the 12 tribes, and, and it, it points to Israel. Seven is the number of creation, seven days of creation. And it points to the creation of the whole world. So the point is that Jesus is the bread of life, not just the bread of life for Israel. He's the bread of life for the world. He came first for the Jews, but also to the Gentiles. But 12 baskets left over, Mark has told us already, points to this fact that it's the, nation, that it's the people of Israel, the 12 tribes of Israel. And this, this feeding was in, was more, had more people who were Jewish, and Jewish words are used as opposed to the other words. And, and another allusion to Moses is just in verse 14, where, where, where we say, this is indeed the prophet who's come into the world. That's, that's pointing back to Deuteronomy chapter 18, where, where Moses uh, uh, talks about the Lord your God will raise up for your prophet like me. Moses says, from among you, from your brothers, it is him you shall listen. So again, that prophet like Moses is the one who's being raised up, and, and, and that's Jesus, one who is indeed greater than Moses one who is indeed the great shepherd of the sheep. How do we respond if Jesus is a great shepherd? How do we respond to Jesus? A couple of ways. One is, is, is thinking about the, the, the participating in, in what's going on here is the Lord's Supper is being foreshadowed. And by participating in this Lord's Supper, supper we, we respond to what God has done. Pa- pastors are, are shepherds. The word pastors and shepherds is the same word. Pastors, we, we, we're, we uh, take care of the sheep. We're shepherds in that sense. And, and the people of God are, are sheep. And pastors have that dual role of being sheep and shepherds. And in this passage, the, 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 the shepherd, Jesus' shepherd, is foreshadowing the work of pastors through the ages. There's a foreshadowing that's going on here of Jesus, the great shepherd. Look, look at verse 11 carefully. It says, Jesus took the loaves. When he given thanks, he distributed them to those who were seated. The, the wording there is not by mistake. He, he, gave, he, 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 he takes the bread, he gives thanks, and he distributes them. This is a foreshadowing of the Lord's Supper. It's a foreshadowing. It's, it's, it's a picture of this Passover meal that's going to take place every year. But it's also a foreshadowing of the Lord's Supper. You see, a year later, a, pretty much a year, a year later from this um, incident, was that final Passover season where Jesus and his disciples went to an upper room in Jerusalem. And they had what they probably did every year. They had their Passover meal because Jesus was the head of the household. But during that Passover meal, as they talked about the different elements 
uh, of the Exodus, Jesus paused and says, this bread, this bread, this bread is my body, which is broken for you. That was something new. He said, this cup is the, is, is the blood shed for the remission of sins. Drink it, remembers of me. These were, he was giving new meaning to this old traditional Passover meal. Here he foreshadows that. In this incredible incident. Imagine if you had been there. Imagine if you had been there in the crowd. You're tired, but you're excited because Jesus is there. He's been teaching and, and, and preaching. and Great things that happen. People are being blessed. You think it's over, but then you notice in the front there's some scattering. There's some activity and, and, they, and he's, Jesus begins to pray over something. You can't tell what it is. But then you, you see baskets. He prays, and then this, this food just begins to multiply. I mean, you're astounded. You don't know what's going on. There's a buzz all over the, the, the hillside as the disciples come and begin to distribute the, the, the bread and, 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 and the uh, fish. It's, amazing. it's an amazing scene. Imagine yourself being there. I remember... The first time I went to the Urbana Missions Conference, it was um, the, the, night, the last night of that, of that missions conference, the university conference. It's, there's 20,000 people there, okay? And they have a, they, they're going to have a, a, a communion service. And I say, how are you going to do communion service with 20,000 people? I, I watched in amazement as they pulled it off. Very orderly. I'm sure a lot of planning and preparation went into that as, you, as they had all these, they had the elements there. They, had, they brought all these elements, and they had people who were ready to distribute the elements throughout the whole stadium. That was planned. This incident here, totally spontaneous. Think of it. You're just there, and all of a sudden, there's food, and Jesus is feeding people through the disciples. I, I, it, quite, it must have been an amazing event to have, have seen. And, and as people, I'm sure they didn't understand the significance of it, because what was going on? He who had created the world with his very hand was now creating bread out of bread, out of bread, out of bread, and fish out of fish. The creator God was doing this. He was the one standing before them. The same one who a year from then, from there, with those same hands would be nailed to a cross. Jesus Christ the Lord. We respond by participating in his supper and, and really participating with our hearts we respond to him as the bread of life. We also respond. There's a verse in, in John 10, later, John 10, 27. It says, my sheep hear my voice. I know them. They follow me. We respond by, by heeding and, hearing and heeding the word of God, the voice of God. And God's voice primarily comes through his word. You know that, right? Primarily, we know God's voice because it's written for us through the word of God, which is the, the perfect and errant word. The voice of God isn't just some mystical thing that we guess at. No, we have God. God has spoken to us. And any, any voice that we hear that doesn't parallel and isn't consistent with what God's word says, it's probably not the voice of God. It's probably not the voice of God. It needs to be rejected. The sheep hear his voice, and they know each other. Most of you know that uh, my wife Terry and I, we had a set of triplets. When they were young, one of the things I've always know, known is that parents know the sound of their own children. They, they know very, the, the, the cry of their own child, you know that sound. I remember when the kids were, were young, uh, they would be, you know, we, they, we, we finally got them to go to bed. You know, they, you know, that was always an event. And then we'd hear, one, we'd hear a sound of a cry. And I would say, one of them just woke up. 
And Terry would say, that's Daniel. She had a keen ear to the voice of my triplets. She was a better shepherd than I am, obviously. But she, there's a, the sheep know the voice of the shepherd. The shepherd of the voice is a sheep. There's a connection that goes on that, that he tells us here in, in, in John chapter 10. We listen to the voice of our shepherd. We listen to his word. We heed his word. And the last thing in the passage is that Jesus is a great king. He's a, he's a great father. He's a great shepherd. He's a great king. Uh, uh, verse 14. This is indeed the prophet coming to the world and, and hearing, perceiving then what was about to come to take him by force as king. Jesus withdrew. Okay? Now, again, something about this whole Passover season. We've got to understand, this is like um, in America, the 4th of July. It's a very nationalistic time as we rehearse our identity as a people. So this is a very nationalistic time. There's probably pilgrims who are about to go towards Jerusalem for the ceremonies that were going to take place in the Passover season. It's, a, it's an excitement time. It's a time of vacation, time of feasting. And um, so nationalism is very high. And here's someone who, who can, uh, he can seem like he can take care of people's needs. And it seems like he, 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 he would be a loving uh, person who can take care of needs more than the oppressive Romans who were over the people. So Jesus knows that with nationalism high, there could be a, there could be a, 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 a let's draft Jesus to be our king movement. He knew that. But it wasn't time yet. It was not time yet. Now, of course, Jesus had, you know, he'd gone through those regions and said, the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the gospel. And they heard the kingdom is at hand. You I mean, he's king. All right. They didn't hear the second part. Repent and believe the gospel. They didn't, want, they didn't hear that. But see, for Jesus to be king, you've got to deal with the sins first. You have to first deal with sin. And so, yeah, he's going to be king, but it wasn't time yet. He said later to Pilate in chapter 18 of John, my, yes, I'm king, but my kingdom is not of this world. What is his kingdom about? Colossians tells us, Colossians chapter 1. It says, the Father delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption the forgiveness of sin. See, this, this kingdom that we become part of is a kingdom where we have our sins forgiven. That's what it's about. How do we respond? If Jesus is our divine king, how do we respond? By believing in him, by embracing his salvation, by being dependent upon him, because we are dependent upon him, by acknowledging our, our, our need to be committed and loyal to him, to obey him, to worship him, which we seek to do each week, to serve him. Jesus provides for us, you see, as our king. He protects us. He, he gives us wisdom. He gives us peace. He gives us fellowship. He gives us power. He gives us all kinds of things as our king. He protects us from our enemies of sin and, and death and the grave. He has provided for us a certain salvation, a full salvation. So here are a few questions for us as we wind down. As individuals, do we truly trust Jesus the provision of him, his provision? Do we trust him as individuals? Have you trusted in Jesus? And are you trusting in Jesus? As families, do we trust the provision of Jesus for our families? Or are we continually doing that? Or are we not trusting him? We're trusting in ourselves. As a congregation, do we trust truly the provision of Jesus? The trust is not to fret and worry, but to, but to, but to, to have faith to step out. One of the things this miracle teaches us is that 
we have a God who can take the resources we have and multiply them. There's applications for us in our own lives and in our own families and in our own church that we can trust that God, that if God is for us, who can be against us? And God is on our side. This feeding of the 5,000, this story is unique. And in, God's, in John's gospel, it teaches us simply that Jesus is the bread of life. He's the bread of life. And bread is that which sustains us. It gives us energy. It gives us the ability to go on. It keeps us alive. Deuteronomy says that man doesn't live by bread alone, but by the words, every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And Jesus is the word of God. We need him. Jesus is the eternal son of God. And he alone satisfies the heart that is hungry. St. Augustine, the African uh, theologian of the uh, 5th century, declared, Our hearts are restless until they find rest in him, in thee. Yes. The restless heart. So until, you find, until you find rest in Jesus Christ, you're going to be restless. Is that where you are? Have you, or have you begun to eat of the bread, the bread of life? Are you hungry or are you restless? It's been said that evangelism is one former beggar telling another beggar where to go for bread. I want to declare that I have found bread. And, and it's not just bread for me. It's not even just bread for you. It's bread for the world. The, um, the 11th century um, monk, Bernard of Clairvaux, wrote a song that has endured. And we'll close with this song. It's this, Jesus, thou joy of loving hearts. to him. Jesus, thou joy of loving hearts, thou fount of life, thou light of men. From the best bliss that earth imparts, we turn unfilled to thee again. You sometimes feel like that when you go to the Lord. Here we go again, Lord. I'm turning to you again. I'm unfilled. I'm empty. Fill me. Straight line. Th- thy truth unchanged has ever stood Thou savest those that on you call. To them that seek thee, thou art good. To them that find in thee all in all. We taste thee, O thou living bread, and we long to feast upon thee still. We drink of thee, the fountainhead, and thirst our souls from thee to fill. Our restless spirits yearn for thee, who wherever our changeful lot is cast, glad when thy gracious smile we see, and blessed when our faith can hold thee fast. O Jesus, ever with us stay. Make all our moments calm and bright. Chase the dark night of sin away. Shed over the world thy holy light. See, it's, it's about continually feasting on Jesus, the bread of life. Continually taking a lump <laughs> from the loaf. And when you, it, 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 you don't take that loaf thinking that eventually the loaf will not be there. He's the, one, he's the miracle working God. He's always bread for all of us, bread for the entire world. Let's pray. Lord, this is a, it's a miracle story that we've probably heard before. I pray you would help us to meditate on it and see the deep riches that are there and yet see the simplicity that is there that you are the creator God who created out of, out of just fish and bread. Enough for everyone. We remind us of how that applies to each of our lives and the situations we face, that we're not alone. We have a God who's a big God, who's a great God, who's an all-powerful God. 
Help us to trust you. I'm going to pray for anyone who's here, Lord, who's never put their initial faith in Jesus Christ. They still have that restlessness. They would find rest and peace in him who is the Prince of Peace and the Bread of Life, Jesus Christ. We pray in his name. Amen.